So two, two passages maybe I'll draw, draw our attention to today, this morning. Jesus in our gospel says, Do not work for food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. Uh, this is a, a reference to the Eucharist, no doubt. But also, I think, uh, maybe at a deeper level, it's a reference to a banquet, which the Eucharist is a, a kind of a foretaste of. If you can remember at the Last Supper, in the first three Gospels, or at least in, in one of the first two or two of the first three Gospels, Jesus says, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until I drink it anew with you in the kingdom of God. And what he's implying there is that the Eucharist, which he's just instituted and that he's celebrating at the Last Supper, is um, an anticipation of, a real anticipation of, but nonetheless an anticipation of something in the future, a future banquet. Okay, That's what's amazing about the Mass and about the Eucharist is that it's, it's an entryway into an eternal state of being. So there's this future banquet uh, that we're all headed towards. It's the wedding feast of the Lamb. Okay, And this is why the priest says when he elevates the, the host, blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. So you've got the wedding feast of the Lamb. It's a future reality, and it's an eternal reality. What is it, though? I believe that it is the vision of God. It's seeing God face to face, uh, not with our bodily eyes, but with the eyes of our minds. It is the vision of the Trinity, and that is a feast. So it's a feast for our minds. And why it's analogous to a feast, or why eating, probably at a deeper level, you can see eating in general is really kind of a just a, a faint echo and a finger that points towards this heavenly banquet uh, is because it satisfies, it fills. Just like food fills us up and satisfies us, um, this vision satisfies us in the truest sense, in the most profound, deepest sense. So what we were created for, all the longings, the deepest longings and the desire of our hearts, we have an infinite desire for goodness, for truth, and for beauty. And that infinite desire can only be satisfied by that which is infinitely good, beautiful, and true, and that is God himself, the Blessed Trinity. So just like earthly food, you know, it really has its limits because it satisfies us for a time, but then, you know, we're hungry again. Uh, that's not how this heavenly banquet is going to be. It's, it's the banquet that satisfies us in the truest and deepest sense, and it meets uh, the deepest needs and desires of the human heart. So I think this is what Jesus is speaking about. And thinking about this vision to which we're called, I think of, I go back to our first reading, um, and we see Stephen on trial. And it's very interesting because Stephen is accused of these different crimes against the Mosaic Law, and uh, it says right at the end of our passage that everybody looked upon his face and saw his face as that of an angel. 
kind of interesting an angel. And when you go on and you listen to, to what uh, Stephen says to the, um, the Sanhedrin, he recounts all of salvation history, and actually we see angels showing up a lot in his speech and how important they are in the salvation of history. Um, and we really we come to an understanding that uh, we are called to be angels, not literal angels, you know, in the sense of, you know, angels are real um, beings, but they're disembodied spiritual beings. We're, we're bodily creatures, and we're always going to be bodily creatures. Uh, nonetheless, there's a, there's a true sense in which we're called to be angels, because angels are currently enjoying that feast that we're called to. They behold God face to face. And uh, it says in the Psalms that uh, he fed them the bread of angels. So the food that does not perish, the food that the Son of Man will give us, is is the bread of angels. It is the feast of contemplating and beholding God. And uh, this is what the angels enjoy. And so we're called to fellowship with the angels. We're called to be, as it were, angels ourselves. This is our vocation. Uh, even in, in, a, in a other, another sense, very interestingly enough, and this is something, a part of our tradition that not many are familiar with. I've spoken about it before. But it's also referred to, this kind of angelic vocation we have, it's also referred to as deification. So that it's true, in a sense, to say that we're called to be gods. Okay? I mean, this is a really deep thing. Now, of course, God himself, we've got to define what we're talking about here. God himself is a necessary being. Okay? We are not. We could have existed. We could not have existed. Our existence depends radically upon God's will. All right? So there's this huge difference between the creator and the creature that can never be breached. There's a gap, an infinite distance between creature and creator that can never be gapped and never be bridged. Nonetheless, because we're called to partake in the divine nature, we can be said to be called to be gods. Jesus speaks about in the Gospel of John, and he draws from the Psalms, he says, you are gods, all of you, sons of the Most High. And he's citing Psalm 82. Uh, and then he says, If the scriptures called gods those to whom the word of God came, meaning us human beings, and then, and then he goes off and he makes another point. But the point is, is we have this angelic calling. We have this calling to be deified. We have this calling to see God face to face. It is an amazing calling. And there is a, there is a really a false humility that is nothing but pride that says, ah, you know, hey, I'm a simple man. You know, give me a few beers and a football game on the weekend, and I'm happy. That's all I need in life. You know what? It's not all you need in life. It's not all you need in life. That's not all you need. You're denying your true inner longings. You're denying your true self. You're living outside of yourself. You're not being true to yourself. You're not living according to the truth. And it's a false humility that really is a kind of pride. Because if God has called us to be angels, if God has called us to be gods, then who are we to say, oh, I don't want that. That's not for me. I just want the simple things or whatever it might be. Okay, who are we to say that? that that's a very presumptuous um, 
prideful response to God's vocation. So there's actually this humility that's really not true humility. It's a, it's a false pride that uh, stops us from attaining our true happiness. Uh, and so just to leave you with this reflection, if, like Stephen, we're called to be angels, you know, and we're called to feast on the food of angels and behold God face to face, you know, let's be true to ourselves. Let's respect ourselves. We have a great dignity that's been given to us through baptism. We have the seed of glory within our hearts. That is grace. And uh, what ought we to be doing to, to take care, to cultivate that seed and to make sure that it, it eventuates in, in our full deification and you know, angelic transformation in this uh, amazing banquet of feasting in God's vision. What, ought, what care ought we to take? How single-minded ought we to be in life as we walk through this earth? How beneath us is it to be gossiping and being just, you know, getting petty and mad at someone because they said something mean or whatever it might be? It's so silly. We're called to be gods and we're groveling on the earth like worms. Um, so, you know, there is a, a vocation that we have. And the good news is that Jesus has come and has enabled us to be true to ourselves so that we can really aspire to that ultimate happiness, that ultimate feast, uh, that food uh, that truly satisfies and does not uh, perish.